we are starting a series right now. Boom, we're on. It's called regifting. And uh, who's all heard of the whole concept of regifting? It's a pretty common term now. It's the, that whole thing of uh, Aunt Louise gave you a, a glass vase with a family of ducks on it. And don't quite go with your decor. And you have to go to an office Christmas party. And you don't want to spend any money. And you find the glass, the, the vase with the ducks on it still in the box in the closet. You wrap it up. You take it to the office Christmas party. That is re-gifting. You giving something somebody else gave to you. Uh, well, guess what? That is what we want to do. And a lot of people consider the whole concept of re-gifting to be tacky. Okay? But um, here and now with what we're going to be talking about, re-gifting isn't tacky. This is, this is a mandate on our lives. Jesus is the gift that we should re-gift. We should absolutely pass it on. So if you've got version open, you've got your notes, let's go ahead and crank into this. Why? Because what I just said, the greatest gift ever given was presented on Christmas. And this is the gift that it's right to re-gift. It is absolutely the right thing to do. And we've got a passage of Scripture that this thing of, of receiving it and immediately passing it on is just totally scriptural, and we see it right here in Luke 2 with the story, with the the Bible story of the Christmas story. Now, I wanted to read you something, and uh, we should have it up in a minute. Don't jump the gun on me. And uh, But years ago when Kenan was like one, and he's like 16 and a half now, um, then uh, Pastor John, my pastor, uh, introduced uh, something to me that um, a guy named Sir John Hinch wrote um, about the prodigal son. But he took it and he may had some fun with it and he changed all of the words that they had an F. And so it begins, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it tells the whole story, but it went something like this, uh, or actually exactly like this. Um, Feeling footloose and fancy free and frisky, the feather-brained fellow finagled fond father into forking over his fortune. Forthwith, he fled into foreign fields and frittered his farthings, feasting fabulously with fair-weather friends. You get the idea. Well, um, I was in, it, was around, it was Christmas time, and I had been reading the Christmas story. And all those years ago, I was inspired to take that challenge, and I was challenged by it. And I was like, well, I have some fun. Well, I'd had it written down, and anyways, I, I had to piece this back together by memory, and it's been a few years. And, um, but mine is with uh, H's, with the story of the shepherds. And so uh, and this is what this series is all about. You can follow along with me. I believe it should be on the screen. <clears throat> when the herdsmen had heard the heavenly host hail the highest hallelujahs, they hurried to the humble hamlet to behold hopeless, hapless, helpless humanity's heaven-handed hero. Having heeded the harbingers, they beheld husband, helpmate, and holy inhabitant of the hayholder. Hurry, <coughs> howled the herdsman. Humans have hope. Uh, having hearts heaping with hilarity and hankering to help, they hastened to herald the huge headline. So that was my, that was my contribution I'm not a poet, but apparently I'm at the source. And so, uh, 
Anyways, we, uh, but that's what we were talking about. Is these, these herdsmen, they got this news, these, this remote group of blue-collar guys out in the fields. These aren't the freshly bathed, clean movers and shakers of the world. These are some guys sleeping out under the stars, out in the fields, and that's where angels show up. Now, you have to understand, understand that there's the, there's the Roman Empire that exists at this time. There are the, the Sanhedrin and all of these guys. There are all of these movers and shakers. But I think God, right from the beginning, wanted to say that he was there for the every man. He was not there to reach out and put it out to, the, to those that, that maybe could do the most for the kingdom. These guys, were, they were stuck. They were out in the sticks. They were way out in Nowheresville. And angels show up and talk to them. And I want us to just immediately look at Luke chapter 2. Actually, sorry. Let me back up. I want to jump my point here. It says, but people, people, people. When we're talking about regifting, people need the gift of Jesus. Honestly, folks, whether they know it or not. They need Jesus. Where That is the biggest need of any human's life. And so many are, can live life oblivious to the fact that, 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 that there is this place that they need it. And they, they know there's a gap, but they don't necessarily know that it's, that it's Jesus. You know? Have you, anybody ever received a gift that you, you didn't know you needed, but when you got it, you're like, this, this is awesome. This is fantastic. I recently, my, my birthday was this past October. I recently got one. I love coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. And um, so, but I drink more coffee at the office than I do at home because I'm the only coffee drinker at home. Um, and uh, they now have these, been around a little while. And uh, I'm a bit of a late adopter of cool technology. Just now got an iPad and that kind of stuff. I'm not a four cutting edge kind of guy. Um, but my family, Cutie and the kids, wanted to get me this little K-cup coffee maker. It has this little thing that kind of looks like a bigger version of our communion deal. And you stick it in there and close it and hit the button and it makes you a cup of coffee. And uh, I had seen them in the stores and I was like, who wants a deal that makes a cup of coffee? I don't drink a cup of coffee. This doesn't make any sense. Why would, any, why would this even exist? Well, they got this for me, and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, thank you. This is, this is sweet of y'all. Man, I had it, and it was like, this is awesome. Because every cup is fresh brewed. It hadn't been sitting around, it hadn't been waiting. Every cup is fresh brewed. And then they got me the little thing where I could put my own coffee in it and have my own grounds. And Nat, make, he's, a, he's kind of an experiment. He's a mad scientist of coffee, and he does stuff at his house, and he brings me this stuff. And I'm able to put it in there and make my own. I don't have to have all of the little K-cups. And I love that thing. And I, here was this need. And I didn't even know that I needed it. I didn't even know that there was this gap. And honestly, I've told multiple of y'all. Um, and I, I've just been blown away. I knew, I knew, I knew that we wanted, you know, another child. And we prayed and y'all prayed with us and pressed through. And Colin was born. And I knew I was going to love, I love being a dad. It's my favorite thing on the planet. And I knew I was going to enjoy having another child. But folks, honestly, I did not know I was going to enjoy having an infant in the house. I, I didn't dislike my other kids' infancies. It wasn't that I was like, oh, why would this, you know, 
baby crying and stuff. And I just, but it was always this thing, especially with my older ones, I was just kind of ready for them to, to go play outside and with me and do all this kind of stuff, go kick a ball and climb a tree and all this kind of stuff. And, and when they were, they were little, I, I just didn't enjoy it. And I tell you what, I have thoroughly enjoyed Colin's infancy. I mean, I just enjoy every little coo, every little kid. I, I take pictures of her all the time, and, and she just she starts flailing her arms, and it's just awesome. And it's just, you know, there, we even had people who said, you'd, you'd think these people had never had a kid before. And well, this is our sixth. And, uh, but I had never enjoyed an infant before i'd always loved my kids even when they were infants but i didn't just savor that and you know what there are times that there are things in our lives there are gaps that we need and we don't realize they're there and jesus is the biggest one so just because somebody doesn't come knocking on at you and saying hey hey i need jesus will you share me oh i've been waiting for you to recognize that no folks sometimes we just got to be a little bit assertive and we just got to say and, and do, i'm not saying be obnoxious I'm not saying be heavy-handed. I'm saying be open with what God is doing in your life. Be ready to share the things that God is doing in your life. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is for everybody. And we're starting by telling a handful of guys, we don't know how many, but some shepherds off in a field. This is for the whole world. And we're starting in the most obscure place on the planet. Right here. Guess what? You can't feel any more obscure than these guys. And the fact that God got the news to you means you're part of the plan of getting pushed around and spread throughout the entire world second corinthians 5 tells us says all of this is from god who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us we all have this it's not the ministers it's not the pastors it's not all that it's all of us have the ministry of reconciliation that god was reconciling the world to himself in christ not counting men's sins against them that's the thing. They go on to say that it, it's a day of favor towards man. It's not, oh, this is the day of reckoning. Oh, God's coming after you. You know, he's finally took human form and he's going to come in and just be like, you know, <clears throat> go ninja on you. No, he sent. Jesus was an emissary of love. And we need to understand that even if you've just received, if you're brand new at this thing, even if you've just received the gift yourself, it is yours to pass on immediately, folks. There's no waiting period. So many times we think that, you know, where there's, I get into this and, and you know, there's, the, the Bible is so thick and, and I don't know very much. And, 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 you know, I just, maybe I just need to wait a little while. Maybe I just need to wait. Maybe I'm not ready. And, uh, and so we need to, uh, I, I, maybe I just have to learn. Maybe I have to sit. Maybe I have to be quiet with this thing no that's not the way it is we get to pass it on immediately and it's not like the old school game you play when you're a kid hot potato oh my goodness whoo i got this knowledge of jesus you know whew, i finally got rid of it i passed it on 
If I don't hurry up and get rid of this, man, the God, I'm going to be the one stuck. I'm going to be the one the you know, I got to get. No, it's not that. It's a privilege. It is a privilege that we get to do this thing. You know, some things have waiting periods, and it's a good thing. You know, my oldest son got his driver's license, and he can't carry around anybody that's not a family member but one person for a year. Well, that's good. It's a lot of responsibility. That's a good thing that just arbitrary people, other people's family members aren't riding around with an inexperienced driver. That's a good thing. But you know what? We are free from day one, day one, to immediately go out and to share what we know of Christ. And we see it here in John chapter 4. And we're going to cruise through the story, but it is so, so vital that we get this down. It says, the woman said, this is the story of the woman at the well. She's just been having a conversation, a really good conversation with this woman at the well. It says, and the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And then his disciples returned, and they're surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked. Why? Because it was just odd for a Jewish man to be talking to a woman, especially a Samaritan woman. Boy, you talk about some, some tension. Woo, major tension there. Some real racism, and it's just ugly, ugly situation. Um, it says, but no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking to her? And so, uh, so these... Jesus' disciples uh, walk up and Jesus kind of gets distracted with what's happening there. And so he's having this conversation to her. They, they come up and then she, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town. She just kind of pops out. Jesus' disciples show back up and she just immediately just kind of just kind of goes away. And then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And could this be the Christ? Now, we haven't put this part in the notes yet because I just had to keep them all that fit on your bulletin. But Jesus had already talked to this woman and knew by divine insight that this woman had had five husbands and the man he, she was living with then was not her husband. So, it's a, you know, the townspeople are bound to find it a little interesting that here this lady that's had so many husbands in a day and time and day that that was by no means even close to the norm to show up and say you got to come check out a man seriously again again you've this is you know this is this is your constant saying but they for some reason they listened to her they listened to her and they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. And then we're going to jump down a few verses, down to verse 39. And it says, And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Now listen, well, we've already shared, this lady was not like the, the, you know, the picture-perfect Christ follower. She did not fit the bill of that. But yet she was still an effective person to introduce people to Christ. So many times we get this thing that I, I can't, I don't want to introduce, I don't want to tell people I'm a Christian because they're just going to point at me and think I'm a hypocrite and what kind of Christian are you and all that. Folks, Jesus, God doesn't require that of us. Just open your mouth and say what you know. Don't try to act like you're something you're not. That's when the hypocrisy starts to stink and people are turned off to that. Don't try to act like you're something you're not. But what you do know, share. And just be honest with that. And God uses that. 
God uses that. Folks, guess what? None of us are that perfect that we would hit this stereotypical, oh, this person can finally share the gospel. That's why God just put it out to all of us, all of us, to just turn it loose and to go. And uh, so many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And then they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Her words, her testimony, what she had had to share, played a role. But now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. We introduce them to do. We tell what we know. And then Jesus, he finishes the process. He fills in the gaps. He begins to show himself true in people's lives as they're truly wanting to know and hunger for that. That's all our role is, is to do that. Well, you can't be too obscure. None of us are stuck out in the middle of nowheresville like the shepherds were. Tell you what, we can't get any more where people in our culture would, would look down on what we had to say any more than this woman in that day and age. That day and age, her words, she was a female, she was a Samaritan, and she did not have a good reputation. Her word was not worth much. But when she spoke of what Jesus had done in her life, it, it got it done. Folks, God wants to use us, period, period. And then from that day, from day one, from Jesus' birth until now, people have been meeting Jesus and then telling others about him. It is just, and there, are, there can be all sorts of barriers, but God just, the Holy Spirit just makes things work. Years ago, when we, Cutie and I took some, went with a team to Guatemala, man, Cutie didn't speak a lick of English. I mean, sometimes, baby. Sometimes I don't understand what you're saying. No, Spanish. Spanish. She speaks English pretty good. Got that West Texas in there, but Spanish, sorry. Apparently, I don't speak English very good. Um, and so she doesn't speak any Spanish. I was her translator when we went out. And that's rough. That's rough, <laughs> folks. And we went out shopping and whatnot. I, I got to stay, I got to be the guy, and, you know, translating, and it was, yeah. And so, anyways, but man, God just began to move on her heart. We were in this one meeting, and God just began to move on her heart to this one Guatemala, towards this one Guatemalan woman. And, uh, so she begins to just go over there and to, to, to pray for her. And then she's speaking all English. This other lady doesn't understand any English. And um, one of our teens, who was very bilingual, ends up, you know, being called over and sees just the, the connection that's there. And Cutie begins to lead this woman to Christ through this teenager interpreting and getting it done. I tell you what, you, you may not have all the pieces built in, but God just has a beautiful way of that as we have been impacted in our own lives and we are willing to share. As we've met Christ and we're willing to pass it on, God can help us get through all of the little barriers that pop up. Luke 2 says, and when they had seen him, when they had seen him. <laughs> I love that. Ah, Here are these guys out in the fields 
they come in. They had, they had heard the news. They go in to Bethlehem. They saw that it was just as the angel had said. And then they go and they spread the word. According to verse 17, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Seemingly, the guys that couldn't get it done are the guys that got it done. You have people in your life that are unique uh, unique contacts that maybe nobody else has the same inroads as you do you don't have to have all the answers again just share what you know what god has done on your behalf and if they ask you a question and you don't know say i don't know i'll be happy to search that out with you but just be honest john 1 says the next day jesus decided to leave for galilee finding philip he said to him follow me and philip like andrew and peter was from the town of Bethsaida, and, and Philip found Nathaniel and told him. So here, Philip gets invited, and then now Philip's immediately letting somebody else know. We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then in Luke, it says, The man from, the t- from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away. That sounds kind of harsh, but he, he was he's put, telling him he had an assignment to do. Sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man did it. This was a guy who had, who had been demon possessed and, and had been naked, lived naked and out and uh, away from everybody. Couldn't even be bound with chains. And now he is set free and telling people about that they, about. This man, Jesus. So he went away and he told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. That's the information he had. What God had done for him. And that's what he shared. And when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. For they were all expecting him. He made a difference. And see, folks, this is it. This is where it comes down to. That it is up to us to keep this chain of re-gifting going. It has made it thousands of miles and thousands of years to you and I today from person to person to person, from impacted life to impacted life to impacted life. I don't care how much technology we get. I don't care what all technology does is help one person's impacted life communicate to another person's life. It'll never replace God's first and foremost plan is person to person. Technology will never replace it, ever, ever, ever. It'll aid it, but it will never, ever replace it. Why? Because the things that impact us, we want others to be impacted by. I'm wore out today because I went and did an adventure race with my dad and my three boys and Jody Babish, and and we just had an incredible time. Went for about seven hours and 12 minutes hard, kayaking, mountain biking, hiking, rappelling, uh, shooting, um, all sorts of cool stuff. It was just a blast. And uh, so I was excited. We came in fourth place. Yeah, that's right. That's a big deal for us. And um, so uh, it was awesome. We had a great time. And uh, I loved it that uh, Keenan had mentioned uh, a few weeks back about on some other fronts to Weston. And he told Weston, he said, you know what, Weston? He said, one day, he said, you're probably going to do with your kids the same thing dad has done with you. And uh, why? Because they were fun. They impacted your life. 
My dad was out there. My dad took me skiing. My dad introduced me to the outdoor stuff, camping, all of that. I love it, and so I introduced my boys to it as well. Christ is the same way. Those things that impact our lives, we just pass on and pass on. Clarks have been people who did outdoorsy things from generation to generation. Why? Because it was passed on from one from one to the other. <clears throat> That's the way the, this believer thing works. There's this chain of experiencing God and passing it on. Acts 1.8. We, this is why the Holy Spirit is on us, folks. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we read earlier there, sec, that Second Corinthians passage. And we're going to finish it right here. And it says, and he has committed to us. Remember that, that we have this ministry of reconciliation? He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You are, whether you know it or not, you are an ambassador of Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Matthew 9 says, when the crowds... When, they saw the, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, the harvest really is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out in the harvest. What I'm saying is in this holiday season, let's be willing to be an answer to that prayer. I'm not saying go stand on a street corner. I'm not saying you to, to go and, and, and have to do anything wild and crazy. I'm saying in the natural flow of your life to be willing to speak. <clears throat> Matthew 18 is just that. I love God's word translation. I think it gives the best translation of the Greek here. It says, so wherever you go. We'd always heard it forever. The old King James, go and make disciples. The, there are people who are called to, to get up, leave, pack up, and go. We've got some right here. The Acts is going to be going uh, in uh, just months away. And uh, they're called to go. But guess what? We're all called that wherever we go to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> teaching them to do everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always even until the end of time. So during this Christmas, Christmas season, wherever, wherever you go, wherever you go, make sure that the greatest gift that we've ever received gets re-gifted this Christmas season. Be willing. Some of you have never had a spiritual conversation with somebody in your life other than somebody who knew something that you didn't and they were pouring it into you. And you've never had that thing where you got to pour into somebody else. I'm believing the doors are going to open and you're going to know it. You're going to recognize this is my time. And you'll be at a decision point and I pray that you step out with courage and you just open your mouth and allow the Holy Spirit to just let it go. And you'll know when to push and not push. You'll know when to say something and then just let let it lay. I'm believing you're going to be led by the Spirit of God like you never have in your life. And we're going to begin to see lives reconnected. Why? That is, the, that is the call of every believer. That is the call of this church. There's so many people in this community that are disconnected from God. And we just, our, our hearts just break for that. And we want to see people reconnected. But we, the body of Christ, have to be willing to open our mouths 
and say something. So, well, we will, this being able to pass the gift on starts with accepting the gift. And you have a moment right now to do that. I'd appreciate it if everybody just kind of close your eyes and, and make a quiet moment here. If you need to accept this, I've, we've already talked about it in the communion. We've talked about it here that, we, that Jesus was sent to, to take care of our sins and to reconnect us with God. It comes by saying, yep, Jesus did that and he did it for me. And I place my faith in it. I'm not trying to do a bunch of religious works and deeds to get God's notice. God already noticed me and sent his son to get me. And I say yes to that. If that is you, nobody's looking around. I want you to just raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Awesome. Believers, I just ask that you just lend your voices with these and raise their hand. These aren't magic words. This is about you owning these words. I'm just lending them out there to you. And you own it. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for noticing me. I thank you for sending Jesus for me. I thank you that his blood and sacrifice is enough. And I take it all right now. He did death for me. And I take on life right now. Today I am your child. You are my father. And you're going to grow me from the inside out. In Jesus name. Amen.